Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. Welcome to No Church Answers. This is a Christian roundtable discussion for men. This is podcast number 316. Hard to believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around. Bang! Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around. Find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And that is where we are. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys, each on our own spiritual journey, meeting daily challenges just like you. And we're glad that you've joined us for this spirited discussion. This podcast has been called Deliberately Provocative and Unexpectedly Funny, so we're so glad that you've checked us out. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and at NoChurchAnswers.com, so please rate our podcast and leave a review. And of course, it wouldn't be possible without your uh, support and our sponsors. And I'm going to jump right in and introduce our panel he is a former world-class policy writer. He is a professional gambler. It's our show producer, Mr. Steve Ditch. Hello, Yay. Steve. Steve. He is a former prosecutor. He is an attorney, kind of the group historian. We call him the judge. It's Michael Cropper. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a salesman and the host. And with that, uh, we're going to jump right in. We are in Connect 360, uh, Cry for Freedom. Uh, this particular one is, uh, uh, the subtitle is Grace That is Still Amazing, amazing and it's a study of Galatians by GC2 Press. And going to jump right in and uh, get with producer Steve Titch. Well, Paul has established his authority as an apostle, commissioned directly from the risen Christ in his letter, in, his, in the opening of his letter to the Galatians. And now he gets to the heart of the matter. Uh, It's the Judaizers' demand. And the Judaizers are those uh, largely uh, Jewish Christians, Christians who were were Jewish to begin with and had come up north to uh, Antioch, Cilicia, um, Galatia, and were essentially saying, um, you, in order to be a true Christian, you need to follow all the laws in the Torah, including, and this is the big one, circumcision. Uh, Paul, on the other hand, is preaching that uh, Christ's death and resurrection frees believers, Jew and Gentile alike, from the burden of Deuteronomic law. Uh, and in particular, the, prescri- the proscribed, the necessary, the, the required rituals, which are designed to clear away barriers that prevented worshipers, Old Testament worshipers, worshipers under the Old Covenant, from connecting with God. It's, it's Paul's argument that those have been washed away by, uh, quite literally, the blood of the cross. And so we're going to get into that argument uh, as we go along. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, Bill, I can't do much better than that. I, uh, uh, Steve covered in a nutshell. The only I I agree with him. Paul's uh Paul's having to fight these guys, and my only comment to this, which you don't see this 
spoken in scriptures, but apparently uh, when we get today's lesson, we'll talk about 14 years having passed from the time Paul went to Greece and having started establishing the three churches and uh, Peter and helping Peter with the fourth church in Antioch. Uh, we see that Paul went there and, and apparently he was confronted or confronted these Judaizers several times and he finally couldn't take it anymore. And in the scripture day that Bill's going to read, we see that, he, that the Lord tells him, okay, you've had enough of this. And, and, and I was making a comment before this uh, podcast began. I was saying, you know, I bet Paul would have liked to punch him in the nose if, if he when he ran into him because he obviously did confront those. 14 years, he had plenty of time to run into him and tell him to stop it, and they ignored him. They kept doing it. So the Lord told him, you know, you, know, you need to go to Jerusalem, and you will find an answer there for whatever reason. Bill? Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the scripture. It's Galatians 2, 1 through 10. Then after an interval of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. It was because of a revelation that I went up, and I submitted to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but I did so in private to those who were of reputation." for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in, who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. But we did not yield in subjugation to them, for even an hour, so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you. But from those who were of high reputation, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. And well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. But on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised, effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be the pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I also was eager to do. Steve? Yeah, it, a lot is condensed uh, between the Acts of the Apostles and the letter to the Galatians, uh, which cover, and to a certain degree, overlap, uh, but also leave some things out. So, so as, a, as a refresher, uh, what, what has happened? First, last week we talked about Paul's conversion. Uh, Paul was on the road to Damascus. He was persecuting Christians. Uh, he has an encounter with the risen Christ. He converts. Uh, he goes, continues apparently on the road to Damascus, stays with Ananias for a while. Uh, he may have even started to preach a bit, but, but shortly thereafter he retreats to uh, what he describes as Arabia and, and, then, and returns to Damascus. And, and in the geography of the time, uh, Arabia is kind of where it is east east of Jordan, east of Israel, of 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 what 
what is mostly Jordan today, we think of Arabia as Saudi Arabia. He did not go that far south. He just probably went east to contemplate a bit. Uh, then, then he had a. Then he visited about three years later. He visits Peter in Jerusalem privately. I, I think he meets James at the time, but that's the only time he doesn't meet the other apostles. At least this is what he in, in Galatians he explains this and. And in Acts, this is also discussed. Um, then he returns to Damascus. Actually, he doesn't return to Damascus. He returns to Cilicia. He probably returns to Tarsus, which is in uh, Cilicia, um, and, and preaches there. And that's where he spends the, 15, the 14 years, um, it, which brings us about to AD 44, 45, and... By that time, as even in Acts, we're reading that the Christian, the, the, the Jews of, of, that are in Judea are beginning to scatter, the Jewish Christians, toward Antioch, toward Cilicia, uh, and um, they're bringing this message of, you've got to be Jewish to be Christian. And it, as Paul has his fill with it, and he goes down, that's when he goes down the first time. Now, there's some, some, there's some debate over... The, is this the is is this encounter where we're talking that that's, that that Paul writes about here the council the famous council of Jerusalem where they sit down and decide that circumcision and the law is not required I don't think so a lot of scholars don't think so because this seems to be a private meeting where Paul brings his objections in and it seems they come to a meeting of the minds and Paul is commissioned to the Gentiles Paul. Uh, Barnabas, Titus, and Peter remains. Peter, James remain in Jerusalem to be the be the, uh, the bring them bring the message to the Jews living in in that in the Judean area, Judea and Samaria. Uh, and the, the council will come later, and that's why I want to hold it because next uh, this 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 uh, this private conversation does not stick. It doesn't seem to. Although Paul goes back. And he feels that his his view is validated, and so um, that's that's kind of where that, that kind of gives you the timeline. So he's 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 trying to lay this to rest, and um, so so the lesson talks about you know dealing with dealing with conflicts uh, and. Um, in this case, Paul brings his case to Jerusalem, and so what are what are some of our thoughts about that? I guess that's where. Okay, I I, I want to deviate for that just for a minute because I kept, I kept asking myself, how can you get so far apart in your beliefs that the law will save you, and salvation will save you, which is what Jesus preached. So I'm going to come back to what Steve says. Maybe we'll talk a little more and address your point. I've got that written out separate, but. Uh, first thing I want to bring to you folks is is how did it come to the point that you that that the Jews thought they had to follow the law to be Christians and 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 again this is going to be a discussion this is my, Mike's opinion and in other words how mingling mingling with Jewish traditions is part of the gospel that they the Judaizers thought well if you start back at the beginning Jesus God sent Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins to die for our sins. He began his teaching by explaining to everyone that he represents the kingdom of God, and therefore, the kingdom of God is near. 
As the apostles and disciples followed Jesus, they taught that God's love was more than enough to remove their sin. And Jesus taught his disciples that the Jewish laws had been followed so intensely that the Pharisees believed that strictly observing the laws revealed the extent or how great your faith was in God. They got to where they held it up and almost as an idol. In fact, most of the priests and teachers were sinning because the laws and rules had become an idol to them. In turn, their leaders, the high priest, had become self-centered and taught that observing the law was the most important way to serve God. Okay, so along comes John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He comes and he teaches the Jews to repent of their sin and be baptized. He thought them that taught them that they have to have a change of heart and they have to turn their hearts back to God. So he's starting to present again that, that faith is in the uh, gospel and the Old Testament too. He did not tell them to stop being Jews, but he just told them to change your heart and become closer to God. So the offering of the sacrifices was supposed to remove their sin, but repenting was a necessary step for them uh, when they offered any sacrifice to God. They were not supposed to offer the sacrifice till they had prayed and repented and made their heart right with God. So following the rules, again, became more important to the Jews than seeking God. So the real message here had been lost. But Jesus came along after John and he taught the people to focus on God with all their heart. This was more important than blindly obeying the law. When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, which Jesus said is the most important law and commandment, then following the rules will become easy. This was a freedom he brought to the followers if they would apply it. Bill? You know, uh, this has been a great discussion uh, with what Mike and Steve have brought up, but I'm thinking about the guys there, about the men. If I was a Gentile and they told me that I'd ha as an adult male, I'd have to get the top of my member cut off to be part of this group, I'd say no. And, uh, and the thing about it is, back in that time, you absolutely can bleed out, especially as an adult, you know. Um, and, that's, and that's for the, uh, for the male, for the Gentile. But I also think about the Jews, though, and the Jewish males. Here, we're, we're going to basically combine forces with these people that are Gentiles and look at what we had to go through and with all the laws and everything. And I know exactly how they feel. And what happened to me when I was in high school, there was hazing. I was hazed. And right after I got hazed, as a matter of fact, I got hazed in FFA and I got hazed in varsity club. And I got hazed so bad in varsity club, or actually FFA, I had to climb up a rope and touch the, uh, touch the beam. And a guy went up behind me and shocked me with a stock prod. I was really? arcing off of the beam, twenty feet, every bit of twenty feet off the off the ground, you know, as part of my hazing. So he came up right behind, uh, right behind me, right behind okay. me. But that's not the deal. The deal is the next year they outlawed hazing. I got hazed in varsity club, I got hazed in FFA, and I didn't get to haze anybody. And I kind of, I kind of empathize. <laughs> <laughs> the, with the way the Jews did. And let me give you another example that you might know out there. There's a fraternity, I think it's called the Omegas, 
They're basically black dudes. They're most of them athletes, awesome dudes. And they branded each other in college. They put a brand on their bicep. And I was in college when that got outlawed. And those dudes, man, they felt they they felt like they were betrayed. And I can imagine the Jews feeling like this too. But you know what? Years later, those guys I really respected. Like they were the OGs. So, you, you, I mean, it, it's life, but that's why I went wrong. I'll, I'll begin this thing. There's there's a cynical thread, and actually, I should say it's more than that because actually, I have heard this explained by church people that that Paul's Paul's Paul wants to get rid of the circumcision requirement for exactly that reason, and and there might be something to that, but biblically and scripturally, that's not the argument he gives. He does not go down to Jerusalem or up to Jerusalem, however they they phrased it, uh, to say, hey, this is just a huge barrier. Why don't we just, you know, get rid of it? He makes the case. And that's what I wanted to talk about in our second segment, about why circumcision and elements of the law, these elements of the law that, that that date from the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, no longer apply. <laughs> the Judaizers, yeah, they, they said they said you're doing it to make it simple for the Gentiles, mm-hmm. right, to have salvation. And and Paul says you're not getting the idea. Salvation is separate from the law. Separate salvation is separate from the law. And and he's absolutely correct. Jesus taught that. He says, I didn't come to to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. Excellent. Uh-huh. But just to switch topics for a minute, Steve. Yeah, um, I want yeah, Bill. I, I wanted to pause for a minute to talk about Magic Mind, a productivity drink that keeps me focused and improves my concentration, and helps me stay productive throughout the day. And boy, did I get up! I hate to call it a wake-up call, but uh, this this afternoon, um, well, I had a doctor's appointment, so I had a fast, you know, pretty much all day long. And so I had, I, I went to the, I kept my appointment, got some blood tests, all that stuff. And I, I made a mistake by afterwards going down to the coffee shop, having a, having a cappuccino and a sandwich. And boy, did that, did that hit me. And it kind of made me crazy. That's why I was so crazy coming in earlier. You know, I hmm, try, try to get everything organized in here because I'm still on that, I'm still on that caffeine rush. And, yeah, we can tell. Know, I really, <laughs> but, but what hit me is that you know, we yeah. have listeners, of course, who, um, uh, who, who fast for health. Uh, they fast as a discipline. And, you know, one of the, one of the rough things is, you know, you tend to, the first thing you tend to do is have a cup of coffee or, or have something. And, um, you know, coffee, uh, the caffeinated sugary soft drinks, they have these downsides. They, they give you that jolt. But then you get wired for a few hours, then you crash, and that's why that's why I find Magic Mind uh, so much better an alternative because uh, it it just it, it, I don't get that jolt, but I get those hours of concentration and focus, and uh, but but without without the nervousness and jitteriness. You know, I was. Uh... 
I was talking to you guys about your experience, and I actually uh, like the morning jolt of caffeine, but I didn't realize how much I, I had to come down after like just like a couple of hours with caffeine. And and since I started doing with the the magic mind, um, it seems like I I I work up to a real nice steady level. It's a it's a real nice energy boost. I, I it's like I can zero in on my focus and it, it helps me be alert without having this bang, this jolt of of caffeine. And as, so I can I can just feel my my body adjusting to the morning as opposed opposed with being just have you know coffee thrown on you <laughs> you, you, you know and wake up now you know whereas the the magic mind just seems to it, it, it it's like targeting it's like targeting your focus and it, it uh and a wonderful energy boost that that lasts for me it lasts longer than the uh than the caffeine uh mike yeah that's it does indeed provide an energy boost, Bill. I agree with you and Steve. Uh, Steve, I feel, often feel tired in the afternoon when I'm reading and studying for our men's Bible class at church uh, on Sunday morning or when I'm preparing for this podcast while we're presenting it. The problem is that when I am tired or sleepy, I find myself reading the same material several times to understand it. Uh, sometimes I get, it's so bad that it doesn't even stick. I have to stop because I cannot remember anything I've read. But uh, I cannot drink coffee, tea, or Coke because the caffeine will keep me awake and keep me from sleeping at night. Uh, my only options were, when this occurred, to take a nap or to do some push-ups to get my blood flowing or sit-ups or some type of extra, uh, very strenuous exercises. The push-ups would uh, leave me tired also, however... Now, Magic Mind cures the problem, and a small bottle will clear my mind and wake me up. And I become more focused and alert, and I become productive again without a nap or strenuous exercise. And uh, also, it has a rather tangy, refreshing citrus and vegetable flavor. So I do recommend it, because the energy boost will last a long time, the rest of the afternoon. Other benefits include uh, lower blood pressure, strength of the immune system, and folks at Magic Mind have hit upon a formula that blends matcha with catechins, neotropics, adaptogens, and additional compounds which balance that matcha rush with stress reducers and anti-inflammatories. Uh, the blend gives you the energy and focus you need without the nerves, irritability, and mood cycle you get from typical caffeinated drinks. And, you know, and the Magic Mind team has created a super offer. For, for me to share to our listeners, uh, order within the next 10 days, and you'll get up to 56% off your first delivery subscription and 20% off your one-time purchase with the code NOCHURCH20. So to redeem this offer, go to magicmind.com backslash JanNoChurch. That's magicmind.com backslash J-A-N, no church. Then use the code no church 20 when ordering. But hurry, the 56% discount only lasts 10 days from our episode drop date. 
This is No Church Answers, podcast number 316. We're talking about uh, a sensitive topic for men. <laughs> Let me go ahead and bring back Steve Titch. Yeah, I, and, and I'm, I'm interested to hear what you want to say about this book of yours. Just, um, I'm going to get into some interpretation. Um, what you were referring to, Mike, uh, a specific bit of scripture, Matthew 5, 17 through 20, from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus said, I, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And you know, sometimes you wonder, well, what does exactly that mean? So actually, yeah, I looked I up in the dictionary what fulfill meant. And fulfill could mean a number of things, to finish, to complete, to satisfy. So, so we insert that. So Jesus said he came to complete or fulfill or satisfy the law and prophets. He added, that's the other important thing he, he, he included in there, not just the law, but the law and prophets. Um, and so this is this is where, so let, I, I want to look back at what Jesus said to kind of feed into what Paul is saying, to kind of make the case that Paul isn't just making this up for expediency. He is saying we are justified by faith faith alone, nothing we can do can earn our salvation, and we do not have to perform any of these necessary requirements of older covenants, like sacrifices, as you said before, or circumcision to, to achieve righteousness. Jesus himself, Paul says numerous places, is, and, 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 and Jesus himself said, he is, Jesus, the bridge to righteousness now. The word is made flesh and fulfilled in Jesus' in Jesus's own sinless life. Jesus overcomes that penalty of death through resurrection. But we are made anew to participate in that through the blood of the covenant. And then this is what, what is the essential aspect of Paul's argument. All that, all those requirements in the Torah, ritual and uh, and and related to worship, sacrifice, and atonement, are no are no longer required, are no longer necessary. And and while I, I do want to add, because I, I looked this up today, while the, the the covenant of circumcision goes back to Abraham, goes back to Genesis, uh, Leviticus puts circumcision into into the law. Le Leviticus 12, 3, you can look it up, but it, it's in the context of purification. It's not it's not saying this is something you have to do, this is something you, you this is something necessary for righteousness. I mean that's part of it, but it's also in the law as a rite of purification when the infant male is eight days old. Um, and later, again, and what's part of Paul's argument, and what we can argue with now, not all of it, is that the earliest Christians, Pete, let's say Peter and James, who Paul implies are rather sympathetic to the Judaizers, their first conversions did not require circumcision. No. Um, their 3,000 on Pentecost were baptized, and, and actually the trump card is the Ethiopian eunuch um, that... Philip baptizes uh, and then leaves. It, it, it seems to mystically disappear, but but he has the conversation 
They get baptized, and then Philip is spirited away. But what's also significant is the fact that if you were a eunuch, you were prohibited from the assembly of God, according to the Torah. So there are a whole lot of arguments backing Paul's position other than, oh, well, and I'm not kidding. I Actually, I heard it. I, and so it comes from the, the side of the church that, that kind of tends to appeal toward works righteousness. Oh, there's the, the law. You still got to do a few things. But th those are my instances. So I'll leave it, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it open to what you guys think. I, I, I'm not, I don't know if you disagree with me or not. Let me go ahead. Okay. Uh, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Found a few scriptures, just a few. There's a lot more in the Old Testament. What we're essentially saying here is that the works, the sacrifices, were all attached to doing what God's will is and to know the Lord as Savior in the Old Testament or salvation. But in fact, salvation by great grace and faith is not only in the New Testament, it's also in the Old Testament. Paul was very knowledgeable in the law. He studied as a Pharisee. He knew the scriptures backward and forward. He was a very devout Pharisee. And he makes the point that keeping the law did not save either Old or New Testament Jews because no one is righteous in God's sight by observing the law. The law was never intended to save anybody. The purpose of law was to make us conscious of our sin, to show us our sin. Romans 3.20 and two scriptures he promotes uh, point out the futility of making effort to please God. No one is righteous without God's grace. Psalms 143.2 Our righteousness, no, and this means no matter what you do, folks, the very best you can do for God. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before God, Isaiah 64, 6. So if the Old Testament way of salvation was not keeping the law or doing good works, how were people saved in the Old Testament? Well, that's very easy. Fortunately, the answer to that question is found in Scripture. So there can be no doubt as to the Old Testament way of salvation also as the New Testament. In Romans 4, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that the Old Testament way of salvation was the same as the New Testament way, which is grace alone and faith alone. To prove this, Paul points this to Abraham, who was saved by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. This is found in New Testament, Romans 4, 3. And again, Paul quotes the Old Testament to prove this point. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness, Genesis 15, 6. So Abraham, by the way, could not have been saved by keeping the law that the Pharisees were promoting, and in this case, the Judaizers that we're talking about, because he lived 400 years before the law was given. However, Steve did point out a great, great anomaly in that, and that circumcision was brought up before Abraham. Anyway, I'm almost through. God's grace and Abraham's faith is what pleased God. So, God's oh, grace, well, right? Yeah. And Abraham's faith. And Habakkuk confirms this again. He says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2 4. Steve, you always no, 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 Paul, Paul does say, We get to that later in Galatians where he says, 
Abraham's faith came before the circumcision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, God gave him. He says, "I'm going to get you to to circumcise all your your all your male childs to be a covenant with me." Right. Much like the blood covenant. But uh, anyway, it's fascinating because folks, we. The Jews, and we also look at the Old Testament, we look at the laws and those rules, and we think that those are a way to God in the Old Testament. It wasn't. The first, the most important commandment that Jesus said is, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. If you do that, folks, you will want to do the other rules and laws, sacrifice and everything in the Old Testament, because you love the Lord. And then the second law that Jesus said was most important was love your neighbor as yourself. If you practice those two things when you were in the Old Testament or in the time before Jesus, the other the other good rules and regulations would be easy to follow. To me, it's too much like um, making um date the ugly sister to get to the one they really want. <laughs> And, well, you're not going to do that, that if you know. That happened, right, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's kind of like, it is like Jacob. But, uh, and honestly, uh, it's it's backward thinking. How many times have you met someone that you, uh, you have worked so hard to get something accomplished, and then they just got there, oh, hey, man, it just kind of fell in my lap. I'm here, too. And you just kind of resent them for everything that you had put your life on the line, you'd worked hard for, and you'd finally found it, too. I mean, hey, man, I mean, I've been on this hunt my whole life, and but I'm here, and I found it. And then someone comes out, hey, man, I found it, too. I but that's, that's, the, that's the older brother in the, the lost son parable. Parable. Yeah, yeah, right. and, and the which, prodigal which son, kind of, yeah. And, yeah, and which, which kind of you identify into, you realize, he secretly wanted to do everything right. The, the younger brother did right, and and he's he is he is not he is not simply happy to be in the presence of the father. Right, he's worrying. Yeah. he's preoccupied too much with the other guy. Listen, you didn't do what I did, and you're standing here in the same line as me. How dare you? And, you and, yeah, and, but that's of course the tough. You know that that I think I think. A lot of a yeah. lot of Christians. Yeah, get the Christians get the get the knife out before you get okay. here. Well, I'll, I'll say this as far as this, as far as, as far, well, well, it's true. A lot of a, a certain degree. Sometimes we read about uh, certainly in the Old Testament about old, grown men being circumcised, but generally it's eight days old. It's yeah, absolutely old. not. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. A, a, an initiation of pain. You don't really remember it, uh, but but. But yes, I think there was a certain element of, uh, hey, we've been, you know, oh, I've, been, I've been following the law for 30 years. Nobody, no freebies. Right. Uh, but that's, that's that. the joy of the gospel. It's really, forward that, thinking, regardless that, of where you're at. I was laughing so hard because of what they said. I thought, you know what? Folks, we face this every day in our car. Somebody tries to cut in line in front of us, right? And we let them in because we don't want our car to get damaged, right? And so Jesus lets them in. He, Jesus lets them into salvation. Even it's the last day of their life and they, they're dying. But they come to him and ask him and say, Jesus, forgive me. I have been, I've been uh, sinful. 
I've been wrong, uh, and I'm scared to death of hell. No, but, <laughs> but, all, but, but for all but, the, this but, is what, what's fun about for all you know what you're saying for all the difficulty and and you know stress of following the the laws of of, of the Torah and all the purification. The hardest thing, Mike, sometimes is to do exactly that: to repent. To admit, yes, to you have to admit. You are a sinner in need of salvation, in need of grace. Absolutely, you know, and, and absolutely. That's, Men have you know, a hard time, though. I, I think, I think at heart, I'd rather try to follow six hundred rules, right, yeah. right, right, than, right, than actually admit that I need, I need the assistance of God uh, to to complete my life. Because I, I can do it myself. Just, just, just let me get, let me. All right, I screwed up today, but I'll be good tomorrow, and oh, that kind of thing. It goes on and on. So I would say, yeah, I would say that 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 yes. it looks like it's a free deal, but I think it's a, oh no, I, the I agree. hardest thing I agree. to do is to is to is to fully repent and yeah. and and basically give up your give up you know put your ego. Yeah, no, saying I'm sorry to God is like saying I'm sorry to your children when you, when you do something wrong in front of them. It's hard to say to your children, uh, five or ten years old, Dad, you're wrong. And it's hard for me to say. Well, the I'm decision, sorry. the the decision <laughs> is not the event. the The decision is not the event. Yeah. What is 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 the new life that you're going to live, and that's the crazy thing that people yeah. tell me. Um, don't you, don't you hate it that he could be on his deathbed and just repent and he's going to go to heaven? I go, no, because understand this, that's like joining the team, but never getting in the game. And the joy is in the game. It's not being on the team. It's playing. It's being in the game. So this time we're going to go ahead and take our second break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors Pastors and church church leaders. leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is No Church Answers. And we are... uh talking about Paul, the Judaizers, and, uh, well, men's stuff. <laughs> Steve right. Titch. Well, as I said, I think, I think there's, the case is, is there biblically for what Paul was saying, uh, and it existed before uh, Paul wrote this. Paul, Paul, Paul had his issues in, in, in the early 1840s, but we find, we find reasons for Paul's position in I mean the gospels weren't written but they're certainly what Jesus said and what he undoubtedly heard about and what he also in his own revelation of 
of what the new covenant and what the gospel is all about, uh, that what he's saying does not contradict anything that comes earlier directly from Jesus, nor nor does it contradict what comes later. I mean, he carries the day. We we look at Hebrews, letter of the Hebrews, which was not written by Paul. There's some, you know, it's unknown. It may have been written by Barnabas. It definitely seems influenced by Paul. Uh, but the letter to the Hebrews, which which dates from around AD 50, so 10 years or so after all 10, between 10 years after all this is happening, um, I should I should add this. We're going to, as we talk next week, the Council of Jerusalem was around AD 50. So there are there's if you turn to Hebrews 11. Uh, there are uh, 13 paragraphs uh, that begin with two words by faith, at least in English by faith. But it is it is a it is a it is a well written rhetorical uh, uh, speech almost. It is you could some would say Hebrews was a sermon. Certainly, this aspect this this section seems to point towards that, uh, and the author. Really goes through the entire Old Testament, uh, all the all the patriarchs, all the major figures, and talks about by faith each one followed through on God's purpose, not through any other. That that is what made those figures righteous by faith. Uh, that's that's Hebrews eleven. It's 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 an eloquent piece of writing, and so um, this is. This is essentially the, the gospel. It's it's Jesus alone, faith alone, grace alone. There's there's no other additions that you need to make yourself pure or make yourself right by God. Jesus provides that righteousness through His death and resurrection. He has completed, He fulfilled the law because we can. Folks, salvation is a gift. Steve is telling you that. Bill will tell you that. You cannot work to receive a gift or it's not a gift. Okay? God sent his son as a gift to die for our sins because we can never be good enough to please God. So no matter what laws the Judaizers, Judaizers were trying to influence the new Gentiles, Christians, to do, could not possibly could not possibly benefit salvation because it's a gift. And and by the way, I'm going to take just one moment before I finish this up. Uh, it, this reminds me of uh, one Christmas uh, many, many years ago. I was probably uh, 17, 18 years old. And uh, uh, my brother and I were into stereos big time. And we spent a lot of money on the stereos. Uh, and uh, audiophiles, right? Is that the word for it? Anyway, uh I can remember saving my money, and I, I bought a couple of nice speakers, and I bought uh, a Kenwood amplifier at that time in probably 1970, 1971, maybe 69. They were very good amplifiers. They sounded really get, great. Uh, Marantz amplifiers were also supposedly a little higher quality than the Kenwood amplifier, but I, I liked the Kenwood. I saved my money and bought one, and... Uh, so a couple Christmases later, my brother came across an insurance deal where some stolen property had been re, uh, repossessed, and the insurance company had already paid the people for their their uh, 
had already paid the people for their loss of stereo equipment. And my brother picked up a, a Marant, I think two Marantz amplifiers, some very expensive speakers. And when we came to Christmas, he wrapped up one of the amplifiers, the Marantz amplifiers that he had gotten for a real good price, and he gave it to me as a gift. Okay, which I thought was fantastic, right? Until he told me, now you have to give me your Kenwood. <laughs> okay, so There's what he price. was saying, I'm giving you my Mar my Marantz amplifier, and you're going to have to give me the Kenwood in exchange for it, and that's a Christmas present to you. So, and, and, I, and I thought of this whenever I thought of what Paul was arguing here. He says, he says okay, so the Judaizers say, uh, Christ gave you salvation. God gave you Christ as, as a gift, and salvation comes through Christ, but you've got to work for it too, right? And then this is essentially what came to my mind. So anyway, so what I want to finish you up is, is God gave the gift of Jesus Christ Jesus came to do away with the Jewish sacrifices so that we could present ourselves in righteousness to God. Romans 12.1 It's not a series of sacrifices. It's not going to the store and buying something and, and, and make God pleased with what you do or giving a lot of money to a charity. It's giving your life to God. It's saying, Lord, I understand that I have sinned. Please forgive me of my sins. I turn from my sins. I turn away and I walk away from them. And I want to follow your word and I want to follow you. Bill? Excellent. As we come down to the, just to get the final takeaways from the fellas, just want to put, uh, put out one thing. I get it that uh, Paul is dealing with this group, the Judaizers, and that. I, I, I'm not at that level. Um, everybody's journey is different. Some things that you'll have to sacrifice for. Um, and then other things will come really easy to you. But the meaning of life and the grace of God is something that you don't have to necessarily earn. But it's not necessarily going to be easy either. I'll simply say this, it would be nice if this settled matters, but it didn't. And if you thought Paul was agitated, at least in these two chapters, wait till we get to the next one. Because uh, this little meeting in Jerusalem didn't settle matters. <laughs> and neither are we. <laughs> so thanks so much for tuning in. This is No Church Answers. And once again, thanks so much to all our sponsors, Magic Mind, and our supporters, on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, my name is Bill Cox. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. So please rate our podcast, leave a review. And if you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page, which is at or nochurchanswers.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, check out Sugarland Baptist Church streaming services on Facebook, YouTube, sugarlandbaptist.org, and starts Sundays at 9.45 a.m. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate. And small, find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only if there is one. Start one. And don't take any church answers. 
We'll be talking with you next week. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content.